Hi, this is Dan Gundry, and welcome to the next episode of Knock Your Socks Off. I am elated to be joined here by Paul Noble, uh, founder and CEO of ActiveView, uh, one of the industry-leading companies within command and control technologies, one of the most progressive companies in that market over the last 30 or 40 years, Paul. It's hard to imagine that, uh, uh, that ActiveView has been around that long and successful throughout those years. Tell me about the early days of ActiveView. We'll get that out of the way and we can all talk about current and future. Oh, stuff. yeah, look, it's, uh, you know, we've had a, it's actually 40 years this uh, this year. And, um, you know, we, our first uh, 15 years or so was really focused on what today is called digital signage. And then in the, uh, the uh, early 90s, we were approached to create NASDAQ market site, and that really changed us as a company. Um, it, it led to us um, becoming a software developer. We ended up writing uh, about a quarter of a million lines of C, C++, and VB code uh, to take uh, feeds from NASDAQ in Trumbull, Connecticut, and turn them into the visual images that you still see, I think, today on television as a backdrop. And, um, and then uh, the next step was that our um, uh, chief technology officer at the time said, you know, you could be doing everything that you're doing with hardware. We were a hardware manufacturer. We actually were the manufacturers of the developers of the first U.S video wall processor he said you could do all of that and more in software um and um we were not the world's greatest manufacturer and i think it gave us it, it was very fortunate in a way because uh we there was no one in the company fighting to uh, maintain our hardware business and we launched ourselves uh, at the end of the 1999 we introduced our software platform um, at the financial technology expert, Jacob Javits. And, um, you know, the rest is, dare I say it, history. Um, it took a while for our software to, uh, for, the, for the, the platform, not really the software, but the platform to come of age. So uh, in fairly short order, we went from a 10 megabit uh, network, network speed to 100, and that uh, had a significant effect. Um, microprocessors were increasing, uh, you know, under Moore's law. And uh, so that's kind of, that brought us into the, into, I would say, the uh, 21st century. And, and during that period of time, uh, if memory serves from some of our earlier conversations, you guys have a distinct uh, milestone there of the first control room on Mars? Well, that was a little earlier. That was, uh, <laughs> that, that was, yeah. Nonetheless, it's a really cool, it's a really cool, uh, 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 title to claim. I was kind of digital signage days. We did the, uh, we, we put a video wall and, and, a uh, in, uh, Michael Jackson's train station and uh, Michael's marvelous video um, jukebox uh, run by a 72 uh, disc um, pioneer laser disc uh, jukebox mechanism. And uh, then we uh, did uh, 
we uh, provided the uh, processing for uh, the uh, total recall. Uh, so we, yes, indeed, we got our, we got our, uh, our wall, the first wall, I would say, first video wall, certainly the first video wall on Mars. And that was the first total recall with Arnold Schwarzenegger, not that silly little remix they did a couple of years ago. It was the first one, I think it was in 90, uh, maybe it was in 92, I think, when it came out. We're not, we're not even going to say where we were in 1992, Paul. We're not going to go there. Um, so, you know, I said something at the opening and you kind of touched on it in terms of your, you know, evolution as a company. Software and the pro EV market 20 years ago didn't really make sense quite. I would almost say software in the pro EV market five years ago didn't sound like terms that really went well together. Talk to me about that pivot, because that's a that's a huge decision to say we're a hardware centric company today. We're a software centric company tomorrow. I must honestly say that I, you know, I think it was, a, you know, it was, a, it, was it was wonderful for us. It, 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 you know, we came out and we came out with a platform in, in at the end of ninety nine. Uh, in 2000, 2001, 9-11 kind of stopped everything for about a year. And then it came back with a, the market came back with a vengeance uh, in terms of uh, secure, the security market. Um, and we, uh, we prospered, I think, uh, because of the fact that our mantra was um, it's all the power of the software using standard off-the-shelf major brand hardware components such as in the early days hp servers and more recently dell and um today our, our solution is almost you know is almost a hundred percent kind of really mainstream hardware we use amd graphics cards typically uh, but the power is in the software and i i don't want to say we were the first i honestly would say to the best of my recollection, Barco was the first, uh, probably in a, a year or two before us. I think they might have come out with a with a, um, a Unix-based platform, uh, but um, you know they were selling. They were continuing to kind of focus on the proprietary or quasi-proprietary hardware around it. Since we weren't a manufacturer, we were effectively um freed freed from the need to kind of pedal stuff not you know out of no disrespect intended no i'm, I'm sure not at all um so i think great great basis of who active has become over the years and, and and how you got to where you are let's um let's take a look a little bit of a look towards the now and and into the future so the market evolves on a daily basis in terms of command and control. And there are so many different subsets and verticals within command and control that we could talk about. Just give me your general take on the industry, where it's going, um, what you know, crystal ball kind of future. Kind of sum that up for me, if you can. Just where do you see the market going? What do you see as the outcome for the, for the market over the next couple of years? I must say, I listened to your first interview with, with Ryan Schoenfeld. And um, I think he really, really addressed the lot, the longer, the bigger, bigger question of where the market's going. I don't know whether I think it's evolving. I wouldn't put a time frame on it, on it. but um, 
you know, he talked about the evolution of the physical control room. Um, he talked about distributed control rooms. He talked about hybrid operators um, who may be in the control room and they may not be in the control room for whatever reason. He, he talked about the convergence of physical and digital security. Um, and he talked about automate, automated incident response. He talked about platforms versus solutions. He talked about AR, VR. He talked about hybrid platforms to enable on-premise to cloud trans, transitions um, and evolving platforms to meet operating operational needs. Um, I would throw into that two things that we're focused on, which is mobility and collaboration. And collaboration, I think, has more um, is is more important when you you put mobility into the into the mix because uh, you know you can't walk over to the individual at the next desk and talk to them. But I think the very you know the big big questions are whether the physical uh, control room uh, will remain a a dominant uh, fixture, uh, whether uh, decision makers and operators will necessarily be in the physical space, uh, whether the software or what the, I, would, I mean, today, everything is moving to the cloud, whether uh, the, uh, the software that we sell today, primarily on premise, because I think a lot of the decision making, a lot of the purchasing in the markets we're in uh, on the public side are you know capex decisions so they want they got money to spend uh, on the private side they're much more, more i think focused on the idea of buying a software as a service um i think the whole idea uh and it's something that we came to over uh, a period of many years of observing uh, that the control room video wall was iconic and it was a dominant visual element of a control room. It was um, certainly something that um, impressed, it's certainly something that would inform if there was an incident that the television cameras would go there and it would look like people were doing their job. But so often the content that's being displayed, has been, is today displayed on these video walls is relatively static and when a really uh, a high level incident occurs, everyone looks down, uh, the operators look down on their desktop because that's where they can find the useful information. So we, as a company, have been very focused on the idea of um, incident visual information being driven by an incident so that the right information appears on not just a video wall, but a desktop on a mobile device um, because when incidents occur, people do not have time to rearrange information on video walls. Um, and so I think, you know, going back to what Ryan said, I, I, I think this whole conversation, uh, including AR, VR, we played around with it. It's not really there yet, maybe. And I think with Apple uh, introducing uh, their... Um, you know, their first uh, AR, VR, uh, XR solution 
uh, next week. I think uh, it may be it's certainly going to be the beginning of the future today. I'm not sure that in the average control room people could um, would uh, be uh, happy to have a uh, headset on their heads uh, for an extended period. But for mobile mobile environments, I think it's it's um, it's it's pretty exciting and. We've, you know, we played it, we've played with it and we created some prototypes and it's just an extraordinary idea that you can, it's almost Peter Pan like that today when you're sitting in a control room, you look up at information or you look across at information, there's a limited, there's a limit to what you can actually see, um, easily see. Um, and uh, in a virtualized environment, you can just kind of move around and, uh, look at it and maybe turn and look behind you at another location, effectively a, a virtualized uh, location. Uh, it's, um, I mean, we're, we get up every morning, we're excited about the future. Yeah, we're, we're getting as close to the minority report type of control room as we've ever gotten, right, with the, the virtual reality, the augmented reality side of it. Um, you said something earlier that I, I just wanted to clarify for the audience, too, that we, we agree. The overview video wall has been that showpiece of a control room for the longest period of time. But realistically, what I like to say is if that wall goes down, a control room still functions. Uh, but if they lose what's happening in front of them at a forensic level, at an operator level, that's realistically where the rubber meets the road. So software products, hardware products, uh, technology solutions aimed here at the operator is really the mission critical side of what we do. Um, you also talked about um, the hybrid scenario, the, the mobility type of uh, remote workforce. How do you see that playing out? I mean, there's a lot of talk in the pro AV space about hybrid work and remote work and what have you. And that makes sense for, you know, you or I that's sitting here and, and crunching numbers and putting together reports and presentations and what have you, or even just this type of a conversation. But somebody who's working out of a home office in a virtual control room versus somebody else who's working out of their own office in a virtual control room. How does that workflow look in those spaces and how do we ensure that the operator experience, because you know we also talk about things like visual acuity and eye strain and operator fatigue and all those things. How does all of that make sense in a remote or a hybrid scenario? Well, look, I think that in certain, you know, many of our key historical historical key markets in the public sector and the quasi-public sector uh, for security reasons. You know, COVID obviously was the big, the big triggering point for people to think different. Um, and um, even in those markets, I think the, uh, the organization is beginning to realize that there may be a point in time when um, their operators cannot get to the physical control room. I think in the private sector where we started, um, we've started to have some success um, providing a more um, cloud, more of a cloud solution, SaaS solution to uh, large uh, organizations uh, in the um, primarily in the um, cyber security and IT security space. Um, during COVID, uh, those operators were not there. They had access to the same material coming from the cloud, the same source, the same 
alerting and monitoring um, platforms. And um, as we went through the uh, through through the um, pandemic, uh, we towards the end of the pandemic, we had a lot of people, a lot of uh, customers and prospective customers saying, "Boy." You know, we we wish we'd known you existed at the beginning of this pandemic because uh, we add a layer um, to if you strip it all away and you take away all the stuff, our business is this kind of layer of visual information distribution. We're not aggregating information as a dashboard. We're not uh, stepping on the toes of the informate the major information providers. Uh, you know, the service niles, the Splunks, the, the ICE, you know, whatever, uh, ISO, soft, the, the whoever, whatever the vertical is, but the information providers, but we're just in, in the business of aggregating visual information and getting it where it needs to go. And today, certainly the control room, the physical, the physical video wall is a significant um, component of that. Uh, but it may not be in the future. And uh, I mean, you talk about visual acuity. Um, I would simply say that, you know, our personal visual acuity, and it's just a bunch of people looking at information, is, is you know, maybe 12 million pixels of which you actually only see, um, you know, three degrees of foveal vision with any degree of, of visual acuity at any point. And once you've arguably as an example, even in a physical control room, you have, um, I'm sure in the not very distant future at all, flexible, um, you know, kind of OLED type of, uh, of, of uh, visual space that's not uh, delineated by mullions um, on the desktop of, of 10, 12 million pixels of space you're covering the entirety of one's visual space. Is one going to really look up in the air to see a, a, a video wall? I don't know. Uh, I, these things, you know, tra transition slowly. Um, uh, folks that are in the, in the business of designing these spaces are starting, I've no doubt, some of the more uh, forward thinking of them to think about the control room of the future, but is the control room of the future the control room of the future, or is it something bigger? Is it the sharing of visual information, getting it to people who need to see it um, uh, wherever they are? And, and I'll add one very interesting, uh, I mean, very interesting for us was one of the, um, one of the things that we discovered in, um, in the private sector was that the individuals who were most interested in what we were trying to do, uh, and they, you know, this was during COVID, were the um, were the sea level folks, the decision makers, uh, because the subject matter expert knows where to find information relating to an incident. It's you know muscle uh, memory, a click click. You know, oh, it's there. We can find the information, do something about it. But then they go and they 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 go upstairs to the decision maker and say, sir, we got a problem. Um, you know, this is what we want to do. And the father says, well, can you share with me this information? They, they, it's 
really hard. Where do you find it? And it's like, it's time sensitive. Something's trying to close down some cyber attack. Um, so even, even if decision makers are sitting in the control room and they're looking at a big video wall, um, you know, they have to run over and look over the, over the shoulder of the operator who's really finding the mission critical incident related information on their desktop. So we've been very focused on this whole idea of, of automating that process and getting it to all of those who need to make a decision. Um, in many ways, the most critical being the ones that don't, don't necessarily have it, uh, have easy access to that information. Yeah, I think workflow uh, and SOPs have always been really critical to control rooms, but I think as the dynamics and logistics of the space change, those workflows become even more critical because the person's right not sitting beside you anymore. They're in a different room, in a different building, different state, whatever the case is. So I, I definitely agree with that. Um, I, the, the, I've been reading a bunch of disturbing things, I guess is probably the word, maybe that's my word, um, you know, Automation and artificial intelligence is going to replace millions of jobs in the foreseeable future. Uh, the biggest one I was reading about recently was uh, in, in the in the food in the in the you know, the fast food markets. Do you see AI and robotics taking some of these jobs of operators and/or dispatchers sitting in spaces? Just any any thoughts on that piece, Paul? Well, I I would frame it a little differently. Will you know, I, I'm, I'm, will artificial intelligence um, uh, enhance incident response? And I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure it will. Uh, presenting information to people and having them respond uh, takes X amounts of time. And arguably, um, artificial intelligence will speed the response. Uh, and there's probably going to be artificial intelligence on the other side of the equation, attacking or, you know, it creating the incident in the first place. So um, I would imagine, will it displace uh, operators? Um, I, I wouldn't venture a guess, but I would say that at the very least, I think it will impact uh, what they do, what their skill set is. Uh, but I would, yes, I would, um, being a bit of a futurist myself, I would imagine that over time, um, yes, indeed, uh, no question, uh, uh, for, you know, for just obvious uh, reasons. It's just one of those things that you think about, right? Um, right now, a lot of control rooms have a hard time putting people in seats. A lot of them use guard services, uh, not necessarily an analyst type of position. And you start to worry about whether or not some of those positions, roles, and or at least activities, to your point, uh, individual responsibilities and or uh, activities might be replaced. Um, final thought. Um, so first of all, thank you. You sharing your ideas, thoughts, perspective, especially over the, the kind of esteemed career you've had in the marketplace is, is very appreciated um, and, and hopefully well received by the audience. My final thought is we're coming up on Infocom in a matter of days, fast approaching here. Um, to my recollection, we are going to have the first ever real concentrated control room meetup with the express purpose of creating some type of a focus and awareness 
on the control room market. Uh, just share with me your thoughts on that, you know, where you see it from either your per personal perspective, from active use perspective, what that might mean for you and or the greater market. I mean, Dan, thank you. I think, you know, you've been instrumental in this and um, um, in this in, in this um, process, too. Um, I think it's I think having open conversations are wonderful. I think they. I mean, honestly, I think the, the real conversation needs to broaden to embrace um, end users and those in between in, or in, the, in the kind of channel in between uh, just to openly talk about where the future is going and how we can help our clients to get there. But I think it's, I think it's tremendous and, and I applaud you for having... Um, kind of brought this made made this statement in the market by by starting it best I understand it's you seem to have been driving it and you seem to have uh, and and this this process is is fabulous I, I mean I, I've only listened to one of the of, of, of your um, of your uh, sessions so far and I found it absolutely compelling um, and exciting, frankly, here a bright, bright, you know, super bright person, um, you know, that you interviewed. It was fabulous. Well, I'm looking forward to somebody else picking up on this one and saying, I want to be the next one up to, to build off of what Paul shared as well. Um, so thank you. Uh, it's definitely a volunteer effort within the industry. Um, I, I, I didn't create the drive, um, but, but definitely proud to be a part of that. You and I had this conversation earlier when we were uh, when we were talking about this conversation. You know, I, I'm speaking only for myself here. Uh, I'm getting too old to not start thinking about concepts of legacy and leaving the market behind better than we, we found it. Um, so, so that's a, a big part of it as well. Paul, thank you so much for joining me today. I learned a lot, um, always respected you, and so glad we got a chance to know each other a little bit more. Thank you so much, Dan.